You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Wait, this was this is not BC. No, dude. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> when was this? Uh, 1886. Okay. Yeah. Who said BC? I well, said, he said that BC because mining was all the way back to oh, 3000 okay. BC. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm still <laughs> stuck on that. That's why I was so blown away by this technology. How do you see under the water like a candle or <laughs> <laughs> these mines are crazy, dog? <laughs> no. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the 3 a.m. podcast. My name is DJ. My name's Charlie. My name is Sean. And, and we haven't done this for a really long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> Man, I miss this. I miss uh, I miss recording. I miss uh, connecting more with uh, some of our people. So, how's everybody doing? Good, man. Also good. I can't complain. We've we've had a a pretty good ending to our summer, um, not not to brag, but it was better than yours. It was better. Than it was a if, happy ending, if you will. Yeah. If you're listening, you had a pretty shite summer compared to ours. No. Um, now that it's getting a little colder, fall is starting. Dude, it's our season. It is our season. It's our time Spooky to rain. Season, Spooky season. Dude, the second I saw a leaf turn orange, I got an erection. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, yes, dude. Man, I'm so excited. Fall, <laughs> we go like, trick or treating. Fall is my favorite season because the weather. Yep. Fashion. Done. Layers. Yep. Look, I look way better when you see less of me. <laughs> <laughs> the more I can cover up of me, the more appealing I become. <laughs> and it's the beginning of all the best holidays, in my opinion. The energy's better. I don't know. I I, re- I thoroughly do enjoy summer. I'm not one Same. of those people who likes. I hate when people constantly are just like looking forward to the next. Like when it's hot, they're like, "Oh, I wish it was cold." And then when it's cold, they're like, "Oh, I wish it was hot." It's like, dude, just learn to like be in the moment. Yeah, be happy with what's going on because it will come. So like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's it's gonna be exciting. Uh, update: We have the shirts finally. <laughs> they're in our hands. All of them. They're complete. Our first 3 a.m. official merch. It's been a long time coming. Um, we're so close. We're super close. We're stocking them online. We're just trying to figure out all the logistics of selling merch. <laughs> yeah. It's way more than what we thought uh, there originally <laughs> needed to be. We thought it's just like posting our Instagram story. Like, here, Venmo us. <laughs> Uh, forty dollars shared or whatever. Yeah, but apparently there's laws and taxes and all this BS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just let us live our lives. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, it's only my third day out here. So. <laughs> but yeah, I was scrolling through Instagram and I have a friend named Paige. Paige is a really cool person, but she did one of those questions and he submitted an answer, 
And her question was, 90s commercials that were seared into your brain. And then everybody who answered, she found the YouTube video, screen recorded it, and like gave her review of the commercial. That's <laughs> <laughs> some incredible content I right know, there. Yeah. Um, it was fun to go through all of them. There's like 30 different commercials. And Damn. Every one I remember. Like hit in your bones. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially since just all of us, we watched a ton of TV growing up. Wait, you had a TV, right? Sorry, I'm not trying to be a dickhead to, to Sean. You guys had a TV, I remember, right? We had a TV at portions in my life, yes. Okay, certain houses you lived at? Yeah. Sean had a okay. stage and then hand puppets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we actually had one of those cardboard boxes, <laughs> and we cut the front out of it. I'm That's not so even funny. joking. This is what happens that. on TV. This is what happened. No. <laughs> um, cut that. Anyway, what are some of your favorite... 90s commercials or what are ones that you remember uh, some of the first ones that come to my mind are regional so i don't know if you guys would know them but like oh 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 o'reilly auto parts yeah, yeah i remember that <laughs> all of us that, that hits deep like, there there's a ton of food ones that i remember like the gushers where their heads turn into huge fruit oh, oh yeah I remember yeah. Those. yeah uh remember the fruit by the foot where they'd roll <laughs> And like, or they'd like come out of your mouth or kind like, of, yeah, everything would just be unraveling or whatever. Yeah. Everything would be unraveling like out of their mouth or into their mouth, which now that I think about it, it was just, um, grooming us for the era of hentai. And <laughs> Tentacles. <laughs> they were already in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was gosh. watching that. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Who thought this was okay? Why am I aroused? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's why I've been conditioned to. <laughs> so I was like five years old. Uh, what else? The Capri Sun, where they like fly through the air. And they're like, chrome? Yeah, they're metallic. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that. I was like, that's sick. Yeah. <laughs> There's also like the wholesome ones, like uh, the Chef Boyardee, the can that rolls home. I don't remember mm -hmm. that remember? one. The kid, they'd be walking through the grocery store and he's like, Mom, can I get Chef Boyardee? And she's like, not this time, honey. <laughs> and they jump in the car. The chef Boyardee hops off the shelf and rolls and follows them on the Whoa, freeway, dude. and then it follows them into their house and then pops up on the dining uh, on their dining room table. He's like, "Chef Boyardee is here," and she's like, "Oh well, I guess we'll have it for dinner." <laughs> so much of media and marketing towards kids, like especially in the '90s and 2000s, I feel like is straight up like psychedelic drug induced. <laughs> BS. Like it's all out. If you go back and watch all stuff, you're like, how did this get made? No, yeah, exactly. I feel like uh, the '90s, is, even in movies, um, not just commercials, but anything media related, was just kind of it was lawless. Like a lot of experimentation, it was evolving. So there were no, there was, no, there wasn't a lot of boundaries set. So people, yeah, exactly. They're like just trying to figure out the scope of like what's okay, what's not okay, and even things that weren't okay still flew. They're like, F it, go. like that Skittles yeah. commercials. Bro? I was gonna say the per the people, the company that stands out the most is Skittles, and like the the weirdest commercials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I in a way you appreciate it because like this is creativity, but I don't know. <laughs> even like a movie that comes to mind is like Flubber. Like that movie would Flubber never was dope <laughs> back then, but now it's that like was if a they, remake though. If they pitch that today, it would be like, who would want to come watch like some green slime thing? Like I don't know, it just sounds so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, but Dude. back then it was like, oh, cool, yeah. I mean, we also had like purple and green Heinz ketchup, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, dude, so. that was lit, bro. <laughs> when they mixed jelly and peanut butter, 
Do you remember that? It in was the, in one oh, jar. The yeah, goober. Dude. It was so yeah. gross. <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting it and I was like, dude, I think my family might be wealthy because yeah. mom Ooh, came home with mix, the jelly bro. yeah, and peanut butter and then I tried it and I was like, oh, I'd rather be poor. <laughs> this is gross. You'd rather spread onions on your sandwiches <laughs> yeah, then? Yeah. <laughs> Trash this. Yeah, so I can cry while I'm eating. Dude, yeah. I just remember all the cereal commercials, dude. I feel like there were so many of them. Like freaking tricks are for kids or... Yeah. Lucky Charms. The one where it's like Reese's Puff, Reese's for breakfast, and the, oh, yeah. like the obnoxious for sister. Breakfast. It was like, yeah. if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Did <laughs> yeah. you ever watch that one? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. There's uh, like a lot of like cartoon characters were big in cereal back then. Like every cereal had a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony the Tiger. The only one Snap, Crackle, still alive. Pop. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that Rocky and Bullwinkle was legitimately created? For so they could sell cereal. Oh, so the wow. cereal was first, and they're like, okay, we got to create a cartoon to like market this to kids. Wow. And they created the cartoon. Dude, that's wild. It's crazy because I never heard of the cereal. Oh, I don't know. It was like in like every episode, there was cartoons for the Krispies yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, like lightly toasted corn with sugar or something. I don't know what it was. Corn puffs. Do you remember the ads for, uh, they weren't dare, like against drugs. Just like PSAs? But like, yeah, like PSAs. And I remember thinking, like they show the girl on the couch and she's like deflating yeah, like for, a balloon. for marijuana. Yeah, for marijuana. Like and when I was little, I was like, Oh, that's scary. <laughs> I don't wanna like, do drugs. I don't wanna do marijuana. I just, at this point in my life, feel like more people should have offered me marijuana. <laughs> and that didn't happen growing up. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I feel like around every corner was someone just like, Hey kid, you wanna, you wanna buy, buy some marijuana? You wanna, buy, marijuanas? Some, you wanna buy some death sticks? So just like, no. <laughs> Uh, there's one where she's like grabbing something out of the fridge and her dog looks up and goes, Abby, you've changed. <laughs> okay, wait. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that one too. She's like, damn. <laughs> a dog if your dog's talking to you, you're not just doing marijuana, yeah. by the way. <laughs> there's something else going on. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, you can hear me? Yeah. <laughs> That's how Dr. Doolittle became a movie. She's like, I'm 50 days into meth, baby. <laughs> I ain't got no teeth um, no more. The other one I can remember is uh, before every movie, it was you wouldn't steal a car. Just some weird like nineties like drum and bass beat, and like people are like stealing stuff from stores, and it's like so you wouldn't pirate this movie. You wouldn't download a car. Yeah. <laughs> you <wouldn't. laughs> And then I go straight to LimeWire to download <laughs> yeah. the song from that commercial. I'm looking for a car. Hmm. <laughs> Brand new. 2008. The 90s. Such a fun time. I uh, obviously biased, but I'm super glad to be a 90s kid. Dude, it feels like a good place in time because I know we've talked about it before. I'm sure we've talked about it before, but it's like a transitional period. We are the last bastion. Before the technological takeover. Yeah. True. We truly are. And I'm sure there are like every decade has is like a transitional period for something. Mm-hmm. So just with the internet and yeah, tech. Like I remember being alive when that wasn't a thing, when we didn't have computers in our house, you know? So I remember getting our first computer and just wanting to play Minesweeper. <laughs> or the pinball 
Oh, yeah, I dude. never played Minesweeper. I was too intimidated. I think oh, I yeah, too there's young. numbers involved. Yeah. You're like, no, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get away from Lame numbers. math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, we have, the only games we did have were that and like learning games like Math Blasters. Dude, Math Blasters was lit. It was kind of dope, dude. Yeah, no, that was sick. <laughs> Do y'all remember uh, typing class? Vaguely. I, I remember I thought it was just like, this is the future. <laughs> like learning how to type. Um, we had like these, it was like this housing for the keyboard to cover your hands. So you, like, even if you look down, you can't see like when we would get tested. Well, that's, you're like, like a Jedi in training yeah. <laughs> with the shield down. Yeah. Mid typing, this dude comes in and destroys all of us. All the little ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, take that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, typing class was crazy. No, yeah. no, but I know what you're saying. We, yeah, uh, but I, I don't want to talk about it too much because it'll sound like a freaking tired old millennial, which is now like wow, slowly dude, becoming you're the so boomer. You know lame, what I'm saying, bro? Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> we're excited to be back. We haven't done this for so long. Let's see if we can still do it. <laughs> we still can. Um, talking about um, like advances in society. Okay, tell me who Joe Budden is. Ugh. <laughs> Actually, I want to be careful because we're now in you the podcast You don't want to burn world. any bridges. Yeah. <laughs> and I know Joe Budden blows my mind, has a following. <laughs> <laughs> I have no negative or Joe Budden thoughts. is a rapper that came up in the 2000s. He had a couple good hits. He had a seemingly good trajectory to become like a staple in hip hop. I think he rubbed people the wrong way. He's known for his outspoken and forthright um attitude like he doesn't care who you are he's going to say something i think he rubbed people the wrong way i.e rockefeller and jay-z and kind of tanked his career <laughs> yeah his biggest song in the mid 2000s um like the peak of his musical career was pump it up mm -hmm. and that was pump, like pump, pump it up yeah it was like in too fast too furious i think i don't care <laughs> which was like at the time was like the shit yeah movie like bro that's still ass. the shit bro yeah um he was recently <laughs> on his podcast, I'm just gonna play you this audio sample. Yeah. Baze, it's okay. My God, right? I'm sorry. It's a girl. We're just using slurs. Don't worry about it. Why do I always want to make the dog feel good by playing with the privates? Anybody with a pet. You come on, you did a little something down there, man. Made your dog feel good. <laughs> I've never done You've never done it. <laughs> it's okay. My God, right? What are you trying to tell us, dog? <laughs> so, uh, how how recent was that? This was uh, a week ago. About a week ago. Allegedly uh, has had some strange and inappropriate interactions with his dogs. And I love his. Uh, <laughs> justification his well it's like normal to him like he said to every there's like three other dudes in the room he's like yeah everyone who's had a pet <laughs> has jacked their dog off okay <laughs> this brings up a, a interesting topic i think everyone's like what <laughs> having a platform even as small as ours like you I have to be aware of like what you're saying. I don't know. Cause you have realizations like, Oh, everyone doesn't think or believe the same exact thing I do. <laughs> For instance, there's a podcast out there called like the beast and the beauty or something like that. But anyway, he's like talking and he's 
the the topic of using the restroom comes up. And he does what Budden does, or he says something, assuming that's how everyone does it. And what he says is how he poops is he puts toilet paper in his hand and he pulls it out of him. So he reaches behind, poops into his hand and pulls it out and then flushes that. And he, cause he was like, well, he's like, I, you know, like long nails is so gross. Cause how do y'all like get back there to catch the turd or something like that? <laughs> and the girl was like, excuse me. And he's like, yeah, like how do y'all get back there to like catch it and pull it out of you? If you have long ass nails, I think they're so gross. And, uh, he, and she's like, wait, w- wait, what? And I, he doesn't realize it's bad till way too late. And then he's like, wait, everyone does that. Right. And she's like, no, no. not one human does that. <laughs> And so yeah, they unfortunately hit that blew up on like Reddit or something. Now he's known around the world as like uh, the dude who pulls poo out of them. <laughs> and I might cut that because that's really gross. <laughs> hey, we've been kind of on a streak. <laughs> <laughs> Frick, hell. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, it sucks when you find out you're the only one. Even like the adverse, like when everybody else is in on something, then you're not. Yeah. Um, in high school, I remember we were in class and this, <laughs> one of my friends gets up and he says, oh, I gotta go change my man pond. <laughs> um, and everyone's like, what? <laughs> man- so, so bravely, dude. <laughs> like it's so normal, dude. Yeah. He's like, your man pond. Like we should all know what it is, but it's just. He described it as just rolled up toilet paper and you plug it in your ass <laughs> just so you don't get any leakage or stoppage. Or swass and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he was like, yeah, apparently somebody told him as a joke <laughs> and never told him just joking. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's gospel. So he took it that's with That's how him, I will live my life now. And he was running with it <laughs> for, I think it was just like maybe a week. <laughs> that's seven days too long. That's, Y'all yeah, gotta be crowdsourcing these type of things. <laughs> yeah, be like, yo, you like you use a man pond, right? Somebody was just saying that they did. I remember once being seventh grade and hearing the term blow job for the first time, and they were like, "Dude, Scotty got a blow job on Friday." I was hanging out with the eighth graders, like the cool kids. Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't want to look dumb. When, when you were in the eleventh grade, yeah, <laughs> I was yesterday. No, I was in seventh. Dog, it was a big jump. That didn't happen a lot, you know? So I was like trying to be cool. And they're like, dude, Scotty over the weekend got a blow job in the jacuzzi. First of all, that's bullshit. But <laughs> looking back, that's with my 30-year-old mind. But looking back, I was like, blow job. And I was like, okay, contextual. Must have something to do with his pee-pee, right? Yeah. And I was like, I suppose if someone went on your penis, that would feel good. So I was like, oh, yeah, totally. I was like, that's awesome. Go, Scotty. But it's just like, yeah, the fear of not being in on the joke or not understanding sometimes is like, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) There's some words I, like, didn't know the meaning of way too long, and I was, like, too scared to ask how. Did I ever ask what? Like that Chris Pratt meme. And at this point, I'm I'm uh, too afraid to ask. Oh, yeah, at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. I even battle with that now. Like, on a very small level, like, when people say, oh, have you heard this song? Or do you know this actor or movie? Have you watched that? Your first inclination. My first inclination is just to say yes because I want them to 
continue telling me about it because mm. it always sucks when like you're hyped up on something and you tell someone like dude have you heard of this or been there nope and, like no and, like, <laughs> well, me neither <laughs> <laughs> never mind then <laughs> uh also there's like way less excuse because nowadays it's like if you don't know something you can look it up in a second you know what i'm saying yeah mm. So I think like stakes are higher to say like, I don't know. But I will say this. I always appreciate when someone says, I don't know. Yeah, so do I. It's okay to not know, guys. It's okay to not know. Because we do not know anything. <laughs> and let us prove that to you by telling you some stories. <laughs> <laughs> People are calling uh, Joe Budden Air Budden. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> Somebody was like, pump it up. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. And with that, (laughs) let's do it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm rolling yours. I rolled a three. DJ rolled an eight, and I rolled a 14. So it's going to go Charles, me, then Sean. Oh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) That's you. That's me. I really want, like, a quesarito. String cheese. Oh, close. String cheese sounds good. Did they cancel the quesarito? No, dude, they still have it. It's just shredded chicken. No, I swear. Oh, I thought it like got taken out in the first Thanos snap. Seven layer burrito. Yeah. Okay. I I don't care about that. Yeah. No one. How could they get rid of the quesarito? That's like one of their most bought items. I don't know, bro. (laughs) (laughs) We have lasagna in the kitchen, dude. You should just go get it and be eating it while I'm stressing about Taco Bell. (laughs) Taking items off the menu. Well, it'll be okay. It's gonna be fun. Bro, what if like all of a sudden Chick Fil A was like, "We're taking the chicken sandwich (laughs) off our menu." What What do y'all have left? (laughs) Can I get a large Chick Fil A sauce? (laughs) Just a straw. Two straws, please. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, twenty twenty, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Dude, that's a funny bit. We gotta leave. We gotta. You gotta cut that. Put that in somehow. I'm just gonna leave it right here.
I made the joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot as hell. Totally smoke. Maybe we should. the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> the other vents under the bed. <laughs> Dude, it's either uh, y'all have a loud ass through the whole episode or we just sweat. You could use that. You can still hear it. <laughs> you That's could true. use your man pond, bro. Oh, yeah. What? For what? Protect I'll, that swass, bro. True. <laughs> can we take the, Can we get some air? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> this, will be, this will be easy to cut. <clears throat> Large Chick fil A sauce. <laughs> okay, my story. <laughs> All right. Have y'all ever felt like you were being pursued or hunted? Yes. Yes. Explain. Elaborate. For me, it was when we were down in Patagonia and someone said there was a mountain lion out there. And I was like going from our tents the mile and a half to like the like cabin area where our food was. And it was dark. And I was like, frick, bro. There's like. It's out there. So I pick up this giant rock just ready to go and then ran. Mine's uh, during every game of hide and seek. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, when you're little, it's when you're little, it's real. Yeah. Even now we played, uh, we played sardines in January for your birthday in Vegas. So much fun. Yeah. But I was the one hiding and everyone was looking for me. And I was just. <laughs> Trying so hard to be super quiet, super still. Dude, I don't know what it is, but there is a phenomenon that happens when you're running around playing hide and go seek. You find the perfect spot to hide. The second you get situated in, your, in that spot, your bladder just wants to erupt. Facts. <laughs> True facts. <laughs> yeah, but we all can kind of relate to that feeling of being hunted or that stress uh, I've always thought it would have been way interesting, and this might be morbid, and I might have, I might be revealing some mental issues, <laughs> but I always thought it would be, in a way, exciting to have grown up in San Francisco at the time of the Zodiac, or when like Bundy was in Utah. Do you know what I'm saying? Where it's like you hear the story about the community really coming together to try to catch the perpetrator or something, like something crazy going on. Like I could. Come on, Sean is giving me eyes, but you can kind of understand. Okay, yeah, y'all. This is one of those times where I'm t- con- uh, admitting something on a podcast. Everyone's like, no, dude, no. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about some of those themes tonight. The first just little introduction is a story that comes from Seth. And this is kind of a famous story that got passed around when I was a kid. And, and I even might have told this on air, but I can't remember, but I'm still going to bring it up. So this happened to Seth's cousins. Seth has a uh, cousin family that has two sons, and I think they're twins. And I'm going to give them the names of Merritt and Merrill, which is their names are something like that, but I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Seth. Sorry, all those cousins. (laughs) But they grew up, their dad, I think, was in the military, so they grew up on military bases. And this particular military base was in Southern California or right across the border in Nevada. So it was like down in that deserty area. So think think desert, think Mojave, like that. And that's what I at least think of. On this base, there's a basketball court. And something that they did, because there wasn't a lot to do back then, is they would ride their bikes down the basketball court and just play basketball for hours. 
And on this particular day, they play basketball. Their mom said, you know, when the like lights come on, the street lights come on, y'all better come home. No worries, mom. So they play, street lights come on. They're like, no, let's let's finish this game. They play this last game, right? And finish. And it's dark. Like, oh crap, we gotta get home as fast as we can. So they just sprint home. They get home, dinner is almost ready. Mom says, go upstairs, wash your hands, whatever. They wash their hands, they eat dinner. And at the end of dinner, mom says, did you guys bring your bikes back from the basketball court? And both of them look at each other and they're like, no. And they're young. They're like 12 and 12 because they're twins, I said. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) No, yeah, I know. (laughs) Anyway, they're like. Like, no. And the mom's like, well, you better go get them. And they're like, dang, mom. You know, like, no, it's late. We want to watch TV. And they're like, no, I buy you those bikes. You guys are going down there. You're getting your bikes tonight. Ugh. So they clean up after dinner. And by this time, it's super late, like 8.30. But for kids, that's way late. And mom's like, okay, go, go down there, get them. So they go outside, pitch black. Crickets. Every... You know, 300 meters, there's a street light. They can see way down, almost see the basketball court. So they start making their way down there and see the basketball court. And they can kind of see their bikes on the opposite side, just discarded on the ground. So they're like, let's go. They run across the dark basketball court, grab their bikes. And as they grab their bikes, they both hear a low growl. Keep in mind, this story has been told for 20 years and has to this day, they swear on their lives that they don't know what happened fully, but they both say this is what happened. They grab their bikes. They hear a slow growl and it's at the end of the basketball court and they look over and they see a gigantic dog growling and it's like on its, it's like prone, like it's going to jump. They both freeze with fear. They can see the shiny luminescent eyes, like in the lights. As they're sitting there frozen with fear, the dog stands up to a height of about six feet. They both throw their bikes down and they turn around and run as fast as they can back up the streets. Bikes are faster, kids. <laughs> they don't give a shit. <laughs> they're like, mom, run. Oh. <laughs> um, and they said they felt like they were pursued back to their house. They both made it back to the house, slammed the door. They're home. They say, Mom, we put the bikes in the garage. It's all good. And then in the morning, they went and got them. You know. Lucky. I'd be yeah. more afraid of my mom if the bikes were gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About a week later or within the same month, a girl goes missing from that community. They never found her body. And the two brothers... To this day, think whatever they it was that they saw, they believe is why that girl disappeared. Because mm. it was like in that same place they were at. The grim. <laughs> the grim. Honestly, though. <laughs> in a way. Okay. So I tell that because my next story. And we're going back to France. Ooh. In the late 18th century. And this series of events starts with a young girl who's 14 Okay, so this is 1764, and there's a there's a young girl in the like the province or the countryside. They all know her. She's a shepherdess, so her job tend to the flocks. They didn't have child labor laws back then, 
So she goes out, tends to her flocks. That must have been so nice. <laughs> just put them to work. Yeah, just <laughs> free labor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we still have that. It's just third world countries. But anyway. Paleteco. <laughs> uh, so she goes out to do her job. Doesn't come back. Okay, not the weirdest thing. Sometimes shepherds are out overnight. A couple days go by. So her family or whoever notices her disappearance, they go out to find her. And they finally find her with her entire throat ripped out. And she has claws and teeth marks all over her body. But her entire throat is gone. Okay, brutal death. Imagine running up on that and seeing that. That image would be burned into your mind. Oh my gosh. You would never be able to forget that. I know people who remain nameless who one of their like, not life goals, like almost bucket list items is to find a dead body and like report it. I know, and I'm like, that's so morbid. I would never want to see a dead body like that. I've thought that. It would be, be interesting, though, to see that. I don't. I've, I don't want to see it. I've played that scenario in my mind, and I've leaned towards, like, that would actually be, like, you know, at least for the memes. Okay, but I'm, <laughs> I'm weird because I wanted to grow up in Zodiac. <laughs> F you, too. Gosh. <laughs> DJ's like, I just want to feel it. <laughs> Touch it. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so. Horrific death. But, I mean, it's way back in the freaking Stone Age or something. Like, deaths happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A month later, same thing happens. This girl's 15. Except this time when they find her body, she's barely alive. So they do everything they can to save her. Pick her up, take her into the nearest home, and she's losing blood. She's barely conscious. And they say, what happened, what happened, what happened? And all she can say with her dying breath is she said she was killed by a horrible beast. And she passes away. So now they have two deaths in this same countryside. I think a couple more deaths happen and the local newspaper picks it up and, and like starts collecting every account. And before they know it, they have over a hundred. They said hundreds of accounts of people being attacked, being killed. And they all have the same thing. An insane amount of teeth marks and claw marks all over their body, throats being ripped out, stomachs being disemboweled. And most of the victims, women and children. That's weird that the thing would just, I feel like if it was an animal, it would maybe eat them. I know. But it's like just ripping throats out. It's just, yeah, tearing them to shreds and that's it. Like seems like an animal wouldn't expend all that energy, you know, just to not have any benefit from it. Like, I think wolves are the only ones that kill for fun, though, right? Ooh, that is a known thing. Most animals kill to eat. There have been reports, like in Yellowstone, of wolves decimating elk populations, and they said they just come through and they kill for sport. But that's recent, though. Like mm-hmm. only within the past couple decades or so, from what I've heard. Mm. I don't know. Just in all my research of wolves, you know? (laughs) Totally, yeah. So they have hundreds of these accounts of people being mauled, killed, maimed. And all the accounts of people who survived, they described this thing as a bloodthirsty beast. Obviously. So the, the paper gives it a nickname. And it's known as the Beast of G E V A U D A N. It's French. Je Vaudon. Je Vaudon. That sounds right. So it's 
Les Bees, Gévardon. Some pretentious beast. Yeah. Some fancy ass beast. <laughs> Fantastic beast. Some of the other descriptors of people who have survived the attack say it is a, an extremely large beast. It has black fur, large chest, and a mouthful of serrated fangs. So it starts killing enough of the people. Like the entire community is terrified. You said this is a while ago. Yeah, this is in the late 1764. 18- yeah. Oh, so that's like like Van Helsing type, yes. type beat. Yes. Know? So they barely even understand how fire works. Yeah. <laughs> they are special. No, I'm just kidding. No, but in a, in a way, they, they don't fully understand. So I'm sure there was like religious fervor. Like, you know, there's a demon about like, yeah. this is where a lot of stories of like werewolves start is this. So there's this beast that's killing people by the hundreds. And if that happened today, like you have to put that in perspective, that would be terrifying. Hundreds of people just started showing up, throats ripped out. So this whole town, this whole countryside is terrified, on edge. They're doing everything they can to protect themselves. But no matter what they do, more and more victims. Wow. They print this paper. It makes national headlines. Like all of France is talking about what the hell's going on in Les Bis de Javadon. What would you do at this point? Like if you live in this village? Yeah. Well, let's say you're the mayor of the town. Well, that's kind of what... I'm about to talk about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I'd be setting up some Helm's Deep type so, fortress. Well, okay. Actually, I'm going to let you answer. Like, let's say you are the mayor or you're someone in charge. What would you do? What measures would you take? Uh, I would, I'd assume there's some type of police force or law enforcement. And I'd also get like volunteers, like men. How many? I don't know. How big's the town? I mean, Maybe like one from every five households. It's, like let's every, say it's a every, decently large town, but it is countryside France, so it's not like okay. a metropolis or anything. Yeah, one from every couple of households, just to like accompany like law enforcement, just to have some muscle. Like and then they'd like build build something around like some perimeter, a moat maybe. And then raid the other towns, <laughs> pillage. You just like I would of vampires and <laughs> conquer Rome itself. Enact a very strict uh, uh, dress code yeah. for the females. Break through the what were great, they wearing? Great you know? Wall of China. <laughs> it's you know, okay. It's a whole uh, manifest destiny. We'll call it. Well, okay. Wow. Well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Okay. <laughs> interesting. You would have died. Not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. This dude back then, he, he must be in some position of power because he's like, I, we can't have this. So he starts doing some of the things DJ was saying. His name was Jean-Baptiste Duhamel. Okay. That's the homie. First thing he does, search party. We're going to find this beast and kill it. He puts, guess how many men? 666. 30,000 people. 30,000? 30, you said this is the village. It is. It's a French countryside every, village. Every single village. person in the village. This is how insane it was. This is how much they were like, we have to stop this. Wow. Hundreds of women and children are being killed. It's My like, sperm count's lower <laughs> than that. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I know when I read that number, I was like, what? Like, dude, this must have been like intense. 30,000 people. How many people have died so far? Hundreds. That, that, that's okay. what they said. I, if it's hundreds, then 30,000 seems apt. 
a little excessive still. No. Uh, but like the fact that the bodies are coming up like ripped to shreds, you're like, dude, something's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, if but, it were like alcohol and cigarettes, everyone would be like, who the f- Okay, cares? but like, how is he <laughs> deploying his 30,000 men? Is it all in one group? Because that's excessive. <laughs> I think they lock like arms. One person at a time, one person at a time turning up. You could put 100 men in groups and still be good. No. Also, what are you doing? Are you like, where are you going? Are like, they just marching arm in arm like you said? Yeah, <laughs> just- <laughs> Red Rover down yeah. the countryside. Red of Rover, Red Rover. Uh, Send a over. We we. Okay, well maybe if y'all listen, not get some answers. Okay, so he enacts this thing. He gets thirty thousand people to agree. Uh-huh. We got to kill this thing. Uh-huh. The goal is to find and kill the beast. He has to motivate the entire community. He's like, we can't have this happen. This is our land. F this thing. <laughs> he even, they, the community puts up a money reward and like a very sizable one. If anyone can kill this beast, they can get the bag. You know what I mean? It gets so big. Not only that happens, King Louis XV sends his personal bodyguard out there. He's like, you need to go stop this. It's my people. Now I got to split that money between 30,000 and one. <laughs> or it's like whoever gets the beast gets the bag. Uh, you don't have okay, to split it, yeah. you know? So King Louis XV's right-hand man, his personal bodyguard, Francois Antoine. Oh, it. okay. I, I imagine like the hound. I was thinking out. Van Helsing, but. Okay, that too. Let's like put them together. Van Helsing. Oh, Van, Van Helsing. <laughs> Anyway, this fool jumps on his his freaking steed and takes off for this place in France. <laughs> He's about to clap some cheeks. Is that what, what Dude, you're you doing? Dude, you ever seen Monty Python? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so they're doing everything they can. They have these strict rules. I'm sure there was some sort of like curfew curfew in place. I'm sure there was religious like zealousy of like, you know, we all need to repent. And like this is God. <laughs> God's killing you. <laughs> God's at the beast. <laughs> All that F and stuff. And it works. 1765. Francois Antoine emerges from the forest with this huge dead wolf. Puts it on his horse. Takes his men. Rides back to the king to collect his reward. And he does. And the murders stop. Everyone's like, yeah. Francois the man. Francois, the the dog. (laughs) Until a month later, when the killings come back, and this time, they seem to be like doubled. And the reports now (laughs) change. Before every report was, it's this large beast, you know, but all fours running around. Now, all the reports are saying it is bipedal. It's this huge beast that's running around on two feet. And it's running around killing people. So this saying is literally, this is a part wolf, part man. That's how they describe it. Like la chupacabra, <laughs> le chupacabra. Or maybe werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Why you gotta be like, it, it's like something that's not like it at all. <laughs> like this Mexican creature. <laughs> It's like a, um, but that a was leprechaun like, or something. This is 1700s. It's like Pangea. <laughs> they were all one back then. Mexicans were just like the south of France. <laughs> Bro, go to history class. 
Jump in a Zoom freaking class. All I know is that uh, Francois or whoever got the the beast the first time. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he better be hightailing yeah, it, too. Yeah, he dipped. Yeah. yeah. To, like, Italy. Yeah. Or Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> With his money, dude. <laughs> He's like, adios, y'all. <laughs> I'm headed out. <laughs> Frick us. Okay. All right. So this whole story. <laughs> dude, get it together. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. So, uh, this whole incident, the beast of Jabberdon. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm trying. I'm really trying. Okay. <laughs> it, it's infamous. It's gone down in history. Movies have been made of it. Tales have been made of it. And these are some of the accounts, the more sensationalized accounts that came from it. So there's a guy named Gene Chastel. He was a farmer and he lost everything. Loved ones, family members to the beast. To this beast. And he loses his mind. Like he has nothing else to lose. This beast has taken everything from him. He was like on the front line of all the things. So he just decides one day, you know, instead of ending his life, he's going to go kill this thing. Nothing to lose type hero. Yeah, exactly. The scariest type. So he packs two things in his pack and he sets out to wander around the countryside. He takes a pistol with a few silver bullets and his Bible and he just sets out and his mission is to kill this evil creature. So he roams around the countryside like willing this thing to attack him. And one night he stops and makes a fire and he decides the best way to lure out this evil is to read verses from the Bible. So he does. And by the light of the fire, he reads these Bible verses when he hears a snap in the woods and out steps the creature into the clearing. It lunges for him. He takes aim and pulls the trigger and kills the beast. Somehow he gets it to the king and legend goes, king takes it, his people dissect it, and when they cut the stomach open, a, quote, cornucopia of human body parts spill all over the floor. Children, women, men. There's a lot of dispute among historians. So they're like, they have no idea what it actually was because there's so many varying accounts. Some say it's just mass hysteria. This was all a particularly rabid wolf. Some say it was a pack of wolves. Some have put this out and they like defend it. It was possibly an escaped lion. Until this day, we do not know. But what we do know is that hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people were maimed and killed. And something was running around, take, causing this community to live in fear. Wow. And that is the beast of Gévaudan. That's wild. Dude, how am I supposed to follow up that story? That was a great story. Oh, thanks, dude. Um, that end. That's cool. Rarely do we get to look at the origin of certain stories, you know? And let alone the werewolf. I'm not sure if that is like the origin werewolf because the, the thing is like the werewolf creature goes back like millions Probably of years. longer. Yeah. I mean, the Egyptians but had Anubis, things like that. Like, like the silver bullet bit? Yeah, that stuff. That and the whole like dope. being tied to like evil and... Reading the Bible verses mm -hmm. and luring it. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. 
Sean and I recently watched A Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's a movie from the 80s, very popular. It's it's awesome. I really liked it. But it was like, it had that same feel. These two Americans, you know, before they have to start their real lives, they go, they take a year to go backpacking in Europe and they come across this small European town. They go into a bar, much like us in Darby, Montana. They walk into this bar and everyone looks at them and is like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. And they get this feeling and no one wants to talk to them. They're trying to be friendly. They order a drink and the barmaid, the lady is like, being nice to them but it's like you guys need to be careful and she says or there he's like it's okay we'll uh we'll take our drinks and we'll go and the lady says stick to the roads and she says that and the old grizzled man in the in the corner of the bar slams his beard down and he says shut up like stop like forbidding her to talk anymore and she looks at him pleadingly and she's like just stick to the roads and he's like that's enough like not not another word like go and tells him to go anyway they go they're attacked by the werewolves. This community has dealt with this werewolf for hundreds of years. And they're keeping it secret. And the secret gets out. Okay, that was a really long synopsis. but <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> I love that. That was really fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so like I said, a ton of movies, ton of stories, all inspired <laughs> by this actual real life event. Dope. Look it up, y'all, if you want to know more. Cool. I like that. You good? Yeah, that's me. All right. My turn. Totally different scenario. Unrelated to werewolves. <laughs> and chupacabras. <laughs> All right, I'm up next. So, my story starts in the Philippines. And as uh, more missionaries, you're primarily just focusing on working, serving, helping people, whatnot. But about once a month or so, like your whole region or zone of missionaries you guys can get together have like a, a big activity for a day nice um, and that was something everybody always looked forward to this one we were planning to go explore some caves in a mountain real quick is this you yeah this is me oh dang so this is a personal dj story it segues into another one no worries um but i was particularly not happy about this activity <laughs> Because we were already kind of hiking mountains in white shirts, slacks, and ties. Frick. Yeah. And going into people's homes. Sweaty Which ass. were essentially caves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wow. I was like, why are we spending our fun day doing what we do every day? You know? Um, but a lot of the Filipinos. We're joined by Kevin. Hey. Hey. How's it going, guys? It's going good. They, they can't hear you. <laughs> I'm just playing. It's going well, man. Uh, happy to have you back. Thanks. It's been a while since we've recorded and have had, had you in here. Kevin has had some occupational changes in the last year, so he was unable to attend a lot of our recordings. But now he can be here again, so it's awesome. So you, you might be hearing a jovial laughter. <laughs> <most back>. Beautiful <laughs> laughter from now on. That's your friend Kevin. That's <laughs> he's the audience's uh, advocate. Anyway, DJ is just sharing a personal story from his mission. Yeah. So we were on a zone activity hiking to a cave. I didn't want to because we were doing that every day on the mission anyway. Hiking in the Philippines, you know. So I was mad about it. I was like, don't, I don't want to spend our zone activity on this. Um, DJ just pissing in all these uh, people's closets. Yeah. <laughs> So the Filipinos are like, no, it's going to be really fun. And we're like, oh, whatever, we'll do it. So 
We start hiking. It's muddy. It's super muddy. None of us were prepared for this. Uh, This was a long hike, and it was really steep. And the sun was out. Blazing hot. Just beating on your back type sun. Is it it um, equatable? Is that the right word? Is it comparable to when we did like the tiger crouching lion hike in Hawaii? Uh, Yeah, like that. But imagine that it's like a hill of just mud, and there's no trail. It's like, who... Like, who knew about this? This like, is not who, a trail. <laughs> yeah, this is just, um, like, we're exploring. Yeah. Like, But it's, like, that hot, that... Probably um, less of oh, a yeah. breeze, though. Oh, my god. Yeah, gosh. no breeze. There's, like, no imagine. wind in the Philippines. Oh. Um, it's just still and hot. <laughs> so you got to sit with it. Sit with your sweat. So we're hiking up this mountain. Man, going, man ponds aplenty. Man ponds aplenty. <laughs> uh, we're heading towards this cave. It's so hot that the mud starts getting hard, which makes it easier to walk, but it's just hot, you know. Um, It's getting more into the day where the sun's getting higher and higher. We see the cave off in the distance, or at least the mountain. And the kid who's taking us through this, he's from this area. He's the one who suggested this hike. (laughs) Never saw him again. He said, oh, the cave is at that mountain. So we're going to keep hiking. We're like, okay. So we get closer. As we get closer, we see people start walking by with bags made out of leaves, like baskets. Not mm-hmm. leaves, but um, kind of like rattan. Like wicker? Wicker-ish. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. Huh. But uh, yeah, uh, they're carrying these baskets on their back, like backpacks, and they're full of stones. And I, I didn't stop to talk to them, but at one point an old woman barefoot she had to have been like 80 years old just leathery skin you could tell she's she's never taken moisturized paid time off (laughs) at any time in her life (laughs) bro they don't have that in the Philippines. (laughs) oh really (laughs) um but she's like not just walking she's like kind of jogging across the like now hard mud and like rocks and she's done barefoot. the same hike you've done yeah she's just and galloping she has a bunch of rocks on her back too so this is how like far into like like this is like the third world part of the third world country <laughs> um we finally get to this cave huge opening it's really cool we take some pictures from the cave and then the kids like all right let's go in and we made it about 50 yards in until it was like near pitch black and it felt uncomfortable. Have you been in a cave like that before? Have you been cave exploring? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. We had uh, guided tour caves in New Zealand and stuff, and I've been in a couple other caves. Yeah, Mammoth what? Caves in Kentucky. It's a surreal feeling being in a cave, isn't it? Pitch black. Yeah. There's that term called liminal space, Yeah, which is like places on Earth that don't feel real or like almost like they're outside of the simulation in a way. Yeah. It feels like you're walking off the map in a video game. It almost. might not be liminal space. That might not be the term. All goods. Yeah. All goods. But I know what you're trying to refer yeah. to. We go maybe like a half mile into the can- uh, the cave and my asthma starts acting up because oxygen's really low in there and I can't breathe and I start panicking. Ooh, and so, you're in pitch black. I mean, I like it. We all have flashlights. So I like one of my close friends. I'm like, dude, my asthma's acting. I can't breathe. I have to get out. It's like, sure, that's fine. 
we turn around and we we head back out and we waited maybe like 20 minutes and everybody else came back so they didn't go much further than we did but that feeling of being in the cave i think you can relate to yeah yeah it's claustrophobic even if you, you don't have claustrophobia like even if like the walls aren't close just the the air and the the darkness of a cave is palpable you know yeah so this story takes place in a cave a very specific one from a kid named Breton. Not the one we know. B-R-E-N-T-O-N? B-R-T-O-N. Breton? Yeah. Bruh. Okay. So Breton, he starts off his story with, I spent nearly a decade underground. Uh... <laughs> what? Um, he says the work was hard and dangerous, but could be rewarding and very well compensated. Coal mining is a way of life here. Okay, are we talking Appalachian? West Virginia. He doesn't say which coal mine. I was just saying the type of cave it is. It, he, he was coal mining down there. I would guess That's it's what that I region. Specific. So, yeah. Um, yeah. He just talks about like the, the town surrounding the coal mine. Like it's a generational job. Yeah. You know, people work their whole lives and their families. And like the whole town works at the factory. Yeah. No, yeah. Exactly. Uh, he said he left because he thinks coal is not going to be a reliable resource anymore. So he wanted to explore other ventures. But he, he's he, outsourced. Yeah, exactly. But um, he spent enough time down there with enough people to get stories. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. So Breton said, uh, like, your first six months working, at least in this coal mine, uh, you wear a different color hard hat. It's a red hat. So everyone can see you and be like, that jackass. Yeah. It's like in the in the mission for missionaries, you're called greenies like yeah. when you're new. you know. So that's what I was thinking of. Uh, they're called red hats. And in that first six months, there's a lot to learn. So uh, he said everyone there is pretty friendly. When you're a red hat, you have to be within sight and sound of a black hat, which is somebody who's been there for a How while. How are you supposed to see them? <laughs> Well, everyone has their lamps and everything, uh, their guess, lantern, yes. like their head headlamps and whatnot. Um, he's got a black hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to be in sight and sound of the black hats. It's really um, be like the mission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're just like being guided and mentored until you can handle your own. And you said that goes on for about a year? Uh, six, six, six to eight months. Okay. About. So Breton's doing his time, and he said while he's a, he's a red hat, spent time with this also young kid, assume they're both in their 20s, and uh, this kid is really experienced. He comes from one of those families who's been doing coal mining, you know, for generations. And over a couple of weeks, they're talking and they're getting to know each other. Uh, one day they go to this one part where this homie, this black hat, has been several times before, but it's Red Hat's first time, it's Breton's first time. And while they're working, this time, instead of talking, Black Hat's just silent. He's like, oh, maybe he's having a rough day or something. They're working. He sees on the wall, which they call the rib, just of how it's dug into the uh, mountain. So specifically like the side. Yeah, mm. the side of the, the wall, the cave wall. Um, he sees on the rib, there's writing. And there's the word ghost. And underneath that, there's a date. Oh, no. And he looks at it. He says to his uh, his mentor, he's like, do you see that? 
his mentor is working on with some of these tools. Finally, he stops. He looks at him. He says, yeah, I wrote that. So Breton's like, okay. Not sure if he should ask him, you know, pry into it more. Black Hat's like, you want to know what happened. And Breton's like, if you're comfortable with it. And he says, yeah, sure. Um, right when Black Hat became a Black Hat, you know, he was out of his training. He was able to handle himself on his own. He was working in that specific spot. And he said there's this big machine that he was working with. It's called the bolting machine. Not sure what it is. Hmm. But it's a big, uh, it goes up to about chest height. Um, he's working with it. And he bends down and he comes back up. And there's another uh, coal miner on the other side of the bolting machine. He said it was odd because coal miner is wearing different clothes. And he had the old carbide lamps. I didn't know that was the name for it, but I, I had an image in my mind. I, I looked it up. And it's those old school ones where it looks like a big mirror. Huh. And it's like gas powered. <laughs> it's like a little bulb in the middle. Those are like the old lamps. And he instantly just didn't feel like he was supposed to be there. Hint like Black Hat or this person, you know. And he was struggling to come up with something to say to this person because this person appeared out of nowhere. And just about as he is about to speak, this person he doesn't recognize turns 90 degrees to the left and starts walking down. Almost like the lame dad like walking downstairs behind like a couch. Oh. <laughs> yeah, which, which kind of sounded humorous to me. But he's like doing that. But it's that. not. He's doing <laughs> that. All. He's doing that, getting lower into the ground. And Black Hat's following him. And this machine's maybe sounded like it was the size of, I don't know, like a smart car almost. And he follows him around and the guy disappears behind the machine. And he like runs around the corner and the dude has disappeared. And he remembers that experience. He leaves. And the next time he comes back, he, he writes it on the wall just to remember, to document it. Do they talk about that being like a mining culture? Is like when you see things, you write them on the wall? Uh, no. Interesting. I haven't seen that. Okay. But Because um, have you heard, this is a side note, but there's like a bum or a hobo code. There's a whole hobo code of symbols. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah I know yeah, what yeah. you're talking about. So they'll write something on it, and it'll be like, there's a farm here. The person's nice. Yeah. Or they have their watch own, out. Like the, the police here are extra bad. They have like their own character. Yeah. Say, like there's alphabet. this whole code. Yeah. yeah. So I was, maybe there is some sort of mining marking or maybe. something. I don't know. Maybe. Um, at the very least, for his own good, like to show that he like, was somewhat sane, like could remember the experience. Because he talks about how he remembered... That, you know, you work your shift and you don't leave till the next shift comes and replaces you physically, you know. And they carry on the job so it keeps going. He says he remembers, like, being so terrified. His shift was about to end. It wasn't too long after this man disappeared that uh, the next shift replaced him. He left. But he was so glad to leave. Um, he said he's worked in that spot a couple times before. And he's always been very, like, obviously you're going to be more alert in those places after something like that has happened. But he wrote that to just remember mm. his experience, but he'd never seen that man again. He's never heard of anybody else. So did he hear man. of anyone who had like died in that area of the mine or? Not um, from what I have so far. 
So there's more stories from this cave that I haven't read yet. Whoa. But that's that's the first one. But being in a cave is cool. That's lame. Being in a cave is, <laughs> I don't know. It's real neat. It's a, real nice. A real neat experience. A real nice, How neat is that? Rice, nice thing. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's not nice. <laughs> wow. The subjects of caves is so large, meaning like the paranormal subject of caves. Yeah. It's so multifaceted, so many different aspects of paranormal lore involve caves. From aliens to Bigfoot to green people to hollow earth theory, which like encompasses everything. <laughs> but there's something to it. There is something to caves. Yeah. I don't know what it is. So I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'll update you as episodes go on. But sweet. All right. Have you guys heard of that town that is on fire? Uh, okay. Besides yeah. every town in the every California. Town in the West. <laughs> okay. Uh, what I mean the is. The town of Oregon. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the town of the U.S. right now. Uh, no, there is an entire town, a coal mining town. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have heard of it. And it's like one of these where like everyone in the town works at the mine. And they had an interesting way of getting rid of fire. They would like put it in the landfill and light it on fire. This is back in the 60s. So no rules. EPA, non-existent. Just kidding. I don't know. But they would fill up their landmine and light it on fire. And somehow that fire got into one of the veins of the coal mine. So 1962, this, this town goes like the entire coal mine is on fire and it's spreading underneath the earth. Like buildings are like collapsing into the earth. Smoke is rising from all the cracks in the earth. To this day, it's on fire. Everyone had to leave. There's like several families who were super stubborn who like remain to this day but not, like most of it is a ghost town in the eerie atmosphere of it, because it's like literally smoke is rising from the earth. Like all these different places, it's constantly smoky and like ashes raining from the sky. This town inspired silent Hill. Oh. Like it comes from this town. That's cool. So it's the Centralia mine. It's a coal. I can't read that far. Seam fire. It has been burning underneath the borough of Centralia, Pennsylvania, United States, since at least May 27th, 1962. Well, damn. But anyway, that reminded me of that. That's really cool. That explains like the fog in Silent Hill. Yeah. But. Dope. I'm excited to hear more. Same. That's me tonight. Ooh. All right. I guess it's my turn. So you remember, oh, it was an episode or two ago when you guys talked about when you were out in the middle of Lake Powell. <laughs> Just kind of swimming by yourselves. And Deej brings up, what if there were caves in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Something along those lines. He's like, can I ruin our experience right now? (laughs) (laughs) Secret tunnels. Secret tunnels. Well, some of you already know, but I was in Minnesota for, it was a little, a week or two ago, something like that. Okay, Sean's downplaying it, but... (laughs) Sean just completed one of his life bucket list goals, and it was? Go to all 50 U.S. states. And you just crossed off the last three? Four? I crossed off the last three. Wow. Minnesota, Wisconsin, and North Dakota. Mm, where the nation vacations. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it's where uh, Canada vacations. <laughs> That's what I heard anyways. They go to Fargo. Oh. 
Um, with that being said, I was in Minnesota and I uh, took a trip to, up to Lake Superior, which is the largest freshwater lake in the world. Damn. And it's so massive, you like look across it and you can't see land at some points. So it looks like an ocean. It's mm-hmm. trippy. And I saw a newspaper clipping from 1886, and the title of this clip was Lake Superior Monster. Nice. I have pictures of this clipping for you guys as well. So the area around Lake Superior is well-known for copper mining, has been for a long, long time. In fact, archaeological records show that as far back as 3000 BC, people were mining copper around the lake. Now, the uh, Native American peoples around the area have legends of a beast, if you will, that lives in the lake. And even today, there are animals that live in the lake that you wouldn't think, like bull sharks are in Lake Superior. Dude. There are piranhas in the fresh lakes, the Great Lakes up north. How did piranhas get in there? I have no idea, but they're there. So they had this, this legend of a creature called Mishipeshu. It's from Algonquin and Ojibwe Native American tribes. So I don't know how to pronounce it. It's just what it looks like, okay? It sounds like Joe Pesci's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Mishy. <laughs> hey, you Mishy. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And the description varies from tribe to tribe and people that allegedly saw it from a long, large snake-like creature to one that had the head of a cat. All kinds of descriptions. Now, in 1886, there was a hired crew of miners that were in search of more copper. So they head out to some unknown island to see if they can find copper in and around the island. And one of the, the miners or hired sailors at this point, he remembers that there's, there's a tradition in that Native American culture that they don't go to this island, but they're paid. They're going to find copper, so they're going to do it. They're going to do the job. <laughs> <laughs> and he may be the only one in the, in the trip who knows this too. So they, they land on the island, and they uh, put up camp. They're not going to search yet. They, it, it, night's coming on them, and uh, they make a campfire. They're sitting around the campfire, exhausted from the trip, um, about ready to head to bed. And as they're all sitting around the campfire, which is 50 yards away from the beach, they see this light start to come from the water. And they describe it as like a, like a green dim light. So if you, if you can imagine Scooby-Doo, like that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Um, they see this light and it's slowly coming towards the shore and it's very, very dim at first, but it starts to get a little lighter and brighter as it gets closer to the shore. The sailors or the miners out of curiosity start standing up and heading towards the water to see if they can see what it is. Um, and this is why I think maybe none of them had any thoughts or ideas about it was just curiosity, no fear, curiosity alone. The one sailor, though, who did know the uh, Native American tradition of, you know, not coming to this specific island, he's like getting a little uncomfortable. He's starting to worry. And as it gets closer and closer, 
all the other sailors are going down towards the water and he's staying there. He's like yelling out to him, like, you probably shouldn't go check that out. And as they continue to go towards the water, all of a sudden he just freaks out. He like grabs his gun and shoots into the water. Oh, damn. And freaking out, first of all, all the sailors who are in front of him. And then the light just kind of disappears almost instantly. Now, he's freaking out. He doesn't say anything about why he did what he did, but all the rest of the sailors, just because they weren't really afraid of it at this point, were more curious than anything else. They kind of come back to the fire after nothing comes back, no light, and eventually go to bed that night. Hmm. So the next morning, they start to, their search for a vein of copper is what he described it as. So what they're looking for is some sort of vein of copper that's going to lead to a larger grouping of this that they can then mine. Yeah. So they take the boat out and it sounds like they're taking it out about hundred yards off of the coast to where are uh, the coast of this Island. And I believe the deepest point in Lake Superior is like 1100 feet. But at this point it's about 30 feet deep. So they send down one of the miners who's now their diver in a scuba, his scuba gear. And he's going to start searching when was this in the 1300? 1800s? <laughs> I'm throwing out a lot of what numbers for you guys. Scuba gear is this? Dude, I think this was the one where they put plastic yeah. bags. This is literally head. what Jacques Cousteau made, yeah. probably. Yeah, just like a coconut. Like, a, <laughs> like what the? F- <laughs> so as he starts like exploring the uh, lake floor, and uh, he does eventually find a vein of copper. So he starts to follow it. And it says he was down there for a couple hours. So he probably would come up and go down. So over the course Refill of the day. Refill his coconut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a, you can't run out of air. Yeah. After a while, he finds this vein of copper and he starts to follow it to see if he can find the bigger load. Eventually, he gets to where he believes is where the shore of this island should be. And he kind of goes down around this corner and goes into a cave. But the vein is, he's following this vein of copper. So he follows the vein into this cave. And as he does so, he gets 20, 30 feet in. And all of a sudden, all light that was coming into this cave disappears. It goes pitch black. He turns around and he can see like glimpses of light coming from behind something that's now at the mouth of the cave. And all of a sudden, it comes straight at him. And he described it as looking like an octopus, had 12 different legs, is what he described it as. And it grabbed hold of him. A decapus. Like a decapus. Yeah. A decapus, bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's more than a decapus. Decapus plus two. 12 capus. <laughs> <laughs> a baker's dozen capus. No, yeah. okay. Dude, that's 13, bro. Just <laughs> one extra. Um, so it grabs a hold of him and he says it pinches the uh, air tube that he was on with his, his scuba, scuba gear. gear yeah. And so he's not able to breathe anymore. Pinches his coconut. Pinches the coconut. <laughs> and out of desperation, he just starts flailing, flailing around and remembers he has his knife on him. So he like reaches down, grabs his knife, and just starts swinging at it. And he cuts off one of the tentacles. And all of a sudden, it lets go and just darts away, like speeds away from him. And at this point, like he starts getting pulled from this air tube that he was on, and it's his crew. They pull him up 
from the bottom. And once they get him, they start to tell him their story, which mm. was for the last 20 minutes or so, their boat was being yanked back and forth by something. Oh, Something was pulling on them. And then when it stopped is when apparently it came after him. And that's when he told them his story of being attacked by whatever it was. As above, so below. So none, none of the sailors on the boat saw what it was. But they had the story from this guy as well. And this is what he described to them. They decided, you know, you know, screw it. <laughs> Packed up and left. And that's his story. He told it to Manitowoc Pilot Newspaper. And wait, this was this is not BC. No, dude. Oh, what? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> when was this? Like the 1800s or something? Uh, 1886. Okay. Yeah. Who said BC? I well, said, he said that BC copper was... mining was all the way back to oh, 3000 okay. BC. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm still <laughs> stuck on that. That's why I was so blown away by this technology. How do you see under the water? Like a candle or? <laughs> <laughs> These mines are crazy, dog. <laughs> no. So this is the picture of the newspaper. And they got it apparently from, it didn't actually come to, he didn't go to them first. It looks like. He went to the New York Tribune, and that's where they got the story and printed it in their paper because it was right cool. there on Lake Superior. But, um, yeah, that is the Lake Superior monster. I did hear a couple of good stories while I was up there, which I'll share at another time. Oh, sick. Dope. That's way cool. Guys, I legit have another story. <laughs> it will be re- way quick, though. Okay. Because it's about mines. I heard this one forever ago. I can't remember where. Hit it. So this group of friends, they were moving. uh, They were like going on this uh, camping expedition trip, right? It was going to be a couple days, several days, right? And in one of the towns they're at or somewhere, they hear about these mines. And half of them are like, dude, let's go explore. But half of them had heard previous things about this mine. And we're trying to convince people let's not go. But... The vote won. They're going to these mines. So they only have a description of like the general area. No one's ever actually been. So it takes them forever. But they finally find the entrance to the mine. They have no idea how to get in until one of them says, Better not. <laughs> You're dumb. I know. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> you thought. I love that movie. And I'm sorry. Like yeah, I was going to say, and one of their friends, Shh. Bill. <laughs> he got away. He gets grabbed. <laughs> um, that scene pisses me off. Because, <laughs> like, Pippin gets, like, he, he like, gets the goblins to all because he wakes them all up. But, like, the whole time, Gimli's, like, screaming. <laughs> These are the mines, <laughs> my uncle. Like Pippin makes a noise, and Gandalf's like, "You Gandalf's dickhead!" All the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I swear, it's like half of my classes in like grade school and stuff. Like, I'd be quiet. The girls are like all talking, and I say one thing, and the teacher's like, "What the?" You know, like, "Be quiet!" Yeah, like, scream. Yeah, like, yeah. dumb bitches yelling over here. Yeah. I remember I had something similar. Um. <laughs> Our teacher, we were just talking the whole time, and he got so pissed at us. He, like, screamed at the top of his lungs. His name was Mr. Cranky. 
No, <laughs> no, no way. No, this is a joke. A K-R-I-E-N-K-E. Joke. I'm shouting you out. <laughs> <laughs> His first name's <laughs> Cranky. Jeez. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he was like 22, moved from Wisconsin, just wanted to try something. So he wants to teach brown kids in Hawaii? Yeah. <laughs> We listened to no howls. Yeah, dude. Um, but uh, we were just talking, 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 and he just got super pissed, so he started screaming at the top of his lungs. Just shut up. Stop talking. See, if I hear one more person talk, then I'm like assigning detention or something like that, you know? And this is seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade. But everyone's just silent. I'm like, oh, this dude wiling out now, you know? Um, so everyone's like, actually, they're just trying to shut up. Nobody wants detention. Yeah. And um, I like somehow I'm like holding my breath because I'm so nervous. And I like finally let out my breath and like a little spit comes out. <laughs> and la- like my friend sitting right next to me lands on his hand. Just lands on his hand. It's just tiny. But he sees it and I see it and I go, sorry. And Mr. Cranky heard me and he blew the F up on me. <laughs> He got so mad. I had to come into for detention on Saturday. Oh, yeah, what? yeah. Did yard work, like, <laughs> Wait, what? yeah, just raking leaves in the school. You know, it was for like two. You should two, know four better hours. than to apologize, bro. Yeah, but I was like, oh, come on, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> stuck between a rock and a hard place. Hawaii. Eh. <laughs> 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 like rake leaves. <laughs> What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't believe that that whole time I thought all of that story happened before Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that scuba gear? I was like, <laughs> a gun? Not, what? Not, <laughs> they <laughs> shot what? The knife on his ankle? Like, that's way too advanced. Like, they had steel? Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> They're out here mining copper? <laughs> <laughs> it's a copper knife. <laughs> Like, well, I can't last be week effective. they just found fire. Yeah. Uh, and they're shooting guns now. <laughs> and you questioned it when I said it was finally in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah that finally I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, so hold on. That's the part that you know like that's not in 2000 BC. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, bro, I just actually... got the papyrus printer. <laughs> got to load it with more ink. <laughs> no, they wrote on stone tablets. There are 10 commandments. <laughs> I actually just talked about when I got pulled up to the front of my uh, math class and literally the the teacher screamed in my face. Mr. Brown, you're a bitch. <laughs> I don't know your first name. Uh, Sean, call your teacher a bitch right now. <laughs> Mom. Join the, join the club. I don't know what it was. This dude, I swear, was just like, he was so angry. He was an angry guy. Yeah. I can relate. But like <laughs> he was, he had like, he had complexes for sure. Uh, and I remember I literally was asking to borrow my friend's pencil. And I know that sounds like not true, but I swear on my life, I reach over and he turns out and he's like, Mr. Hatch. He's like, do you mind? Like, and he just blows up. And I was like, I'm asking for a pencil. And I was sassy. Cause at that point I didn't give a about life <laughs> i had already checked out of everything but i was like i'm i'm just asking for a pencil i apologize that's so offensive like dude and he's like get up here and makes me come to the front of the class and he's screaming at my face and he's like sit down so i just i and i had this tendency where i just like shut off so i was just staring blank face at him and he's like sit down so i sit down i fold my hands he's like 
get your hands off the desk. Put them in your lap. And I was like, I was just like maliciously compliant. Screaming. And you, I was just you. sitting there. Yeah, no, everything he said I was just doing. And yeah. it was just making him more and more upset. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you want? Oh, man. <laughs> Needless to say, I and there was a kid in that class who was the biggest teacher's pet. So I drew Mr. Brown getting his <laughs> by that kid every day for the rest of the year oh, and left God. it in his class. <laughs> That's how he retaliated. <laughs> I think he kept them all in touched his penis too <laughs> <laughs> this has been 3 a.m um that was like jackson oh my god okay so we went to jackson oh last weekend god. um a week ago and we went on a <laughs> rafting like trip for a few Here, hours let me say this real quick though i have never seen people who don't get mad as mad as they were dude yeah i'm the hothead of the group where like if someone does something i'm like that fool like i'm ready to go <laughs> And this time, I, I was looking around at all the sane people in our group were losing their minds over this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. I have to be the same person. <laughs> Guys, calm down. Calm down. Yeah, it's okay. Tell them what happened. Uh, I don't know if I should. I'm getting worked up right now. <laughs> okay, man, I'll tell it, and you can chime in. Okay, sure. Okay, so we're in Jackson, Wyoming, and we have booked a white water rafting trip with a company that we've used before. And in fact, we've had this same guy drive us last year and all of us walked away being like, I don't like that dude. This episode was fun. Yeah. It's good to be back. We haven't recorded for, I think, three weeks, two weeks. A little bit of a return to form. Yeah. Uh, We appreciate all your support. Trust your gut. Watch your back. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Question everything. (laughs) I've been waiting for that. Ooh. Cool. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so... Submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing 
that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Hi, this is Amy and Vanessa from She Goes by Jane, where we shine light on the stories of missing and unidentified women. On November 7th, we're sharing Nahida's story for the first time in a podcast. And this is a story that I thought I knew. But after reading police reports, it became more complicated than I thought. When investigators are called to Nahida Khatib's house, everything looks fine. Her purse is on the kitchen table, her cup of coffee is on the counter, and her two-year-old niece is in her playpen. The only thing amiss? Nahida is missing. Every week, we feature a poem written in honor of the person we're talking about. This week, we're joined by one of our favorite actresses. You might know her from Sister Act or King of the Hill or The Descendants. But if you're like us, you'll know her from Hocus Pocus. She's the much-beloved Kathy Najimy. Join us November 7th to hear Nahida's story.